The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. I'm your host, Laura Nash, and I'm here in Philadelphia at the New Metrics Conference, and I am with Allison Genovese. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, glad to be here. So Allison is the Director of Regional Hub for USA and Canada for Global Reporting Initiative. Yes. So we're going to talk about reporting and why it's so important and a little bit what you do and who you work with and that sort of thing, so we get a good idea of it. So how about we start with what Global Reporting Initiative initiative does. Yes. So GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, um, started 22 years ago, actually, as a program out of um, Ceres, which is a nonprofit organization out of Boston. And we spun off uh, shortly thereafter into our own organization. We're now headquartered in Amsterdam, and we have operations all over the world. Um, Amsterdam is our secretariat. And we provide the global standards that companies and other organizations use to disclose their impacts on the environment, the economy, and society. So essentially, we provide the tool that allows companies um, and others to disclose um, their water use, how much waste they produce, how they treat their workers, um, how they interact with um, local economies, and that allows a standardized way so that as stakeholders such as investors or employees, they can look and see comparability between companies. Oh, right. Have a better sense of how organizations um, talk about and and manage their impacts externally. Mm-hmm. So today, now, um, all those years later, about 9,000 companies around the world report using GRI every year. It's oh, the wow. um, world's largest and um, it is available free for public download and for anyone to use it. Um, that's an important part of our, our work is to make sure that that's freely available. So you can go on the website and maybe look up certain companies that you're interested in? Yep. So there's two different things that I'd recommend that people do is one is they can go onto our website, globalreporting.org, and they can um, download the standards for free and play with them and look at what are um, the questions that are being asked depending on the topic that's of interest to them. Mm -hmm. And then there's also a database of uh, approximately, have to look at the current numbers, but about 55,000 sustainability reports that are historically, you know, from about the year 2000 till today. So they can look by geography or by company or industry or year. It's amazing what we can do with data now. I know. There's exactly. There's so much of it out there. Yeah. And there are certain areas you focus in? So it depends on the market. It depends on the market in the world. In the U.S. and Canada, what we see is that for the most part, large cap companies, the Fortune 500, the S&P 500, the Russell 1000, that those are reporting, right? So what we're mm-hmm. doing with them is we're working with them on how to improve their reporting, how to provide better data, how to provide it more accurately, how to provide it more um, concisely and consistently. Mm-hmm. We're also working with small businesses because um, for many, many companies, their impacts are actually in their supply chain. 
excuse me, I have a cold coming on, as you can tell. And so it's really important for small to medium-sized enterprises to also have a sense on their impact so that they can report that back to their customers. Mm -hmm. But also it's a good management tool. It's a way for them to find efficiencies and best practices and management, and small businesses should have access to that as well. Mm -hmm. And I suppose as they scale and grow bigger, they'll just be used to it. It'll be part of their their company. Yes. Yeah, and and GRI works like within the UN Sustainable Development Goals, is that right? Like, is that that's something that's kind of on your radar? Yeah, for sure. So, um, the the Sustainable Development Goals were adopted by the United Nations in 2015, and so um, just over four years ago now. And the SDGs, as as they're known, uh, were created for the member states of the United States of the United Nations. So, mm-hmm. for individual countries, and it's really a um, sustainable development plan for our world, uh, how do we reach sustainability by 2030? The SDGs were really important because they included companies as a source of um, impact for the first time, both positively and negatively. So companies in the past were kind of brought in after, um, you know, the the UN agencies and and, um, civil society would come together and they'd decide what they wanted to do and then they might bring in businesses. Mm -hmm. But businesses were at the table from the very beginning in developing these SDGs. But that also meant that companies needed to disclose and report how they were or were not helping meet these sustainable development goals. Mm -hmm. So what we're finding is that companies are disclosing that through their sustainability reports. So we've developed a number of tools and products that are available for free for companies to better understand how they can participate in the SDG conversation and how they can report against their contributions, whether it be positively or negatively towards sustainable development. Mm -hmm. Do you see some negative reports? Like, does that happen sometimes, you know, like a company might report on something that they're just not really doing very well at and they just say, well, you know, we have to take responsibility and, Mm -hmm. and put it out there. And then I guess they can kind of work on improvements yeah, we really those. we want companies to be transparent, mm-hmm. and we, our belief is that transparency builds trust, yeah. and that by being honest um, with themselves as well as their stakeholders about where their impacts are, then they can start to manage against them. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, companies might not even be aware that they're having impacts in a certain area, or yeah. they may be so far down the down the road or down within their supply chain, they're just not. It's not easily visible. So we believe the reporting process helps shed light on that, where their impacts occur. And we welcome companies to be honest around their impacts, both positively and negatively, that sustainability reports are not intended to be public relations tools. They're intended to be management tools. Oh, okay. And okay. so we really want, and I think what our experience has been is that um, companies who are candid about their negative contributions towards different topics then you can start to engage in conversations with with communities and with people to say, okay, how can we work together to um, start to mitigate this problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of sustainability and environment and everything that's going on in the world right now, mm-hmm. why is reporting so important for companies in terms of sustainability? So there's a lot of reasons um, for that. I think one is that Trust in companies is at an all-time low, and I think um, it's an important way for companies to show that they have transparency. Also, we see that companies who have a solid foundation and understanding of how they impact sustainability issues, it's a proxy for good management. And we believe that companies who are well-managed in terms of their impacts also have other 
areas of their business that are well managed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's internal reasons as well by shedding light on where there's perhaps, you know, if there's overuse in water or energy, then that allows the companies to say, okay, well, we can develop some efficiencies and maybe we should make better decisions on, for instance, where we source power. Mm -hmm. And um, it also helps mitigate risk because companies then, when they understand that there might be vulnerabilities, for instance, in their supply chain, then they it helps them um, better understand where to perhaps create some improvements. Yeah, like they could probably see a big problem coming from a mile away if they exactly. do these reporting. And, and exactly. Supporting. It's also yeah. um, employees and potential employees are asking these questions now. You know, people entering the workforce now for the first time or perhaps younger in their careers are asking these questions about yeah. what a company stands for. Yeah. And so it's important for them to be able to um, not only just say that they stand for certain things, but that they actually have tracked and they managed it. And here's how your work in this particular area will actually impact a larger society. Yeah, definitely times are changing, right? It used yeah. to just be like make good money and yep. have a yeah. retirement and your house and exactly. your fence. And, and now people want more purpose and yes. transparency and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, I never thought about it from like the worker's point of view, right? That they want that transparency mm-hmm. and and stuff. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you also work with the uh, the stock exchange. So how does that relationship work? Well, again, it also does depend on. Um, so in the United States, we work with um, Nasdaq. They've been very supportive of our work. Um, someone from Nasdaq sits on our standards board, um, so helps actually develop the standards for us and with us. And they've also provided some uh, guidance to their listing listed companies on how to report on sustainability issues. And um, that's been really helpful to provide that guidance to their companies. Hmm. We have uh, educational opportunities with um, intercontinental exchange. um, So New York Stock Exchange. So we've done some articles and educational opportunities with them as well. Um, Globally, um, it really depends. So there are some stock exchanges around the world that require sustainability reporting in order to be listed. Really? Yeah. And um, it's like in Europe, um, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, the Taiwan Stock Exchange, the Brazilian Stock Exchange and the Colombian. And what we're seeing is that it's a way that they, again, if we're thinking about, to your point, mitigating risks and looking at opportunities down the road, Mm -hmm. sustainability reporting can be a really powerful tool for that. And so it really depends on the culture and the flavor of the individual stock exchanges. We're seeing more and more, um, even if they don't want to require it, they recommend it and they provide guidance, um, for instance, with the Mumbai Stock Exchange and and elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Have you done work with the Toronto Stock Exchange at all? I haven't been as proactive as I should have been or should be. Um, We had um, a relationship with them a few years ago, and then staffing changes happened. So unfortunately, we've lost that, but I'd love to, you know, take that up as a next step. Yeah, I'd kind of like to look into what, if they have any standards, because I actually wasn't aware that, you know, some stock exchanges would have standards like that. As far as I'm aware that they don't, again, they have some guidance documents that um, organizations can use. There have been some really interesting research around TSX listed companies and the percentage of those who are reporting, whether or not they're reporting to GRI, the quality of their reporting that Mm. stakeholder research associates up in Toronto did, um, which was quite enlightening. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we might be able to look that up if we're like sure. looking at different investments. Yep. Yep. Then we can kind sure. of go to your website. And that's mm-hmm. very cool. And you work with governments too. Yes. Yes. We work with them in, in two capacities. One is that individual countries are looking at requiring as well through um, legislation, um, through regulation, that companies that are publicly held 
issue sustainability reports. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is because, again, they see it as a way to manage risk. They see it as a way to protect shareholder interests. And that has not yet happened in the United States, although um, the House of Representatives recently passed a bill that we're not quite sure where it will go, but that was encouraging. In other parts of the world, such as in the EU and and certainly in Asia, we're seeing more in-depth reporting requirements coming out of Mm -hmm. companies. And also, um, about a third, uh, 25% to 30% of uh, GRS funding is actually from governments. So we have a, a grant from some European nations about doing work in, in developing nations in South America and in Asia okay. um, to help um, because they see it as a way to short foreign investment and trust in those markets when they there's greater transparency from companies who operate there. Okay. Because I think, uh, what was one of the countries? Uh, was it Sweden, I mm-hmm. think? That yep. provides funding? Yep. Swedish yep. government, um, Swiss government, um, and um, Australia, just off the top of my head. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you've done a little bit of work with waste, a mm-hmm. little bit, I think. So there's like a GRI waste standard, right? Yes. I saw that on the, the website. Yes. So what's that? Sure. So just to back up a second, because I don't, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, the GRI standards is actually a set of standards. Um, the first three are what we call universal standards. So any organization um, completes that. So it's things like what country you're incorporated in, listing your board of directors, your materiality assessment, stakeholder engagement process, etc. The rest of the standards, there's 33, soon to be 34, are, (laughs) yeah, those are only completed based on whether or not your company has a material impact on that. Okay, so Um, some companies wouldn't have much waste to work with. Exactly. We want companies to focus on where they have the greatest impact. Yeah. And so our waste standard is being currently updated. We're expecting that it will go live in the early quarter two of next year. And it'll be the first time that circularity is introduced into a global standard. Cool. So we're really excited about that and helping companies really rethink about um, how they view waste and how they um, think about it in terms of a, a resource, how they think about it from the R&D phase, then how they disclose it in a way that shows circular thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's right up our alley with yeah. the show. So can you tell us a little bit about the certified training course that GRI offers? Sure. So GRI, as it's important for us to make sure that people understand how to use the standards. And so what we did was created a two-day, I call it a boot camp, but it's a two-day um, course that's all things GRI, walks people through how to use the standards and how to implement them. Cool. Because there's so many, right? So it'd be it a is. lot of knowledge probably. It is. It's also, you know, you come away with a lot of tools that you'll be able to use once you get back to your desk. It's, um, I think, particularly helpful for those who are entering the sustainability field because mm-hmm. it gives a broad sense of the process, why materiality is important, why stakeholder engagement is important, how these topics need to be reported on. And um, then you get into a cohort of people that can be really helpful to you. Mm-hmm. So even if reporting at the end of the day is not your job, I think it's a great primer for a lot of folks. But we are seeing that the sustainability reporting professional in companies is increasingly sought after. And it's important for those people to have a good foundation in GRI mm-hmm. and how to use it and make sure that they know what resources are available to them. Mm-hmm. So if someone is looking for a job in a company, mm-hmm. but is interested in sustainability, then it might be a good cert- certification for them to get so they can apply as like a sustainability manager or officer exactly. or, or something exactly. like that. And what about for someone who is interested in being an entrepreneur and starting their own like consulting 
company for sustainability, would that also be a good? Yeah, absolutely. In particular, I think um, for consultants, it's important that they work with perhaps dozens of companies. And so it's really important for them to understand how the standards can be applied in different formats and settings in different industries, different sizes, different Mm -hmm. uh, types of employees and types of geographies. So yeah, we welcome any and all students um, as well. We have eight certified training partners that we use in the U.S. and two in Canada. Yeah. And so um, there's courses that are happening both online and in person, oh, good. depending on learning style. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because mm-hmm. some people really like one or the other, right? Right, exactly. So, oh, that's nice. And so can you tell me a little bit about yourself, Allison? Sure. So <laughs> I am always interested in how people get like really good jobs and mm-hmm. are doing very well. Like, What's your background and how did you get into this role? Sure. So I started more than 20 years ago, although it's difficult for me to say that out loud, <laughs> in corporate philanthropy. So I started working at a nonprofit in corporate um, partnerships. And then I went over and worked for an agency who helped develop um, what we called cost branding programs, so strategic philanthropy programs. Cool. So how do companies focus their philanthropy in a way that makes sense for their company. And over the years, I I was in on my own as a consultant. I was in a company. And what I really found was that it's great and it's really important for companies to have thoughtful um, giving programs and philanthropy programs. But it's equally, if not more important, for how their business makes that money in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so as companies started to think differently about their operations and how they have direct and indirect impacts on our environment and on others, I also kind of followed that path. And so I've been with GRI now for about five years, and I really enjoy and appreciate the organizations I get to work with that are really starting to think about how they change their business models to um, be profitable and and future-proofed, but then also um, minimize their impact on others. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've had people on the show before say, like, if you're going to start a company, you should start as sustainable because the world is pushing that way anyway. And like, let's say, you, you know, you get this equipment, you spend all this money on it, and then it's like terrible for emissions or something. So then you have to get all new equipment and then that would probably sink your business in a mm-hmm. few years. Uh, but there's so many businesses that have existed for so long. So I think that it's a whole other aspect of going into a big corporation who has to do those changes because it's like that time, right? It is. I, I appreciate the fact that these companies, many of which are have hundreds of thousands of employees, yeah. all in you know hundreds of con- countries around the world, yeah. that creating change is not easy. Yeah. Um, however, they create change when there's opportunity to make money. And so, you know, whether it's um, realizing the power that um, internet and e-commerce has, whether it's um, the power of using cloud technologies, that companies um, figure that stuff out pretty nimbly when there's an opportunity. And I think that we should hold them to the same standards in terms of sustainability as well. Mm-hmm. It is an opportunity for them to manage risks, but it's also the world that we are living in is going to be hotter and more crowded and unfortunately, perhaps less safe. And we need companies to be resilient and have a good sense of where their impacts are in that space. Mm-hmm. And they have so much influence too. They do. Because of all the brand marketing that has been done over in some beverage companies for like a hundred years, yeah. you know, they're really ingrained into our psyche. Yep. And I think they have so much opportunity to do good. Yeah. And their ability to create change on scale is really mind boggling sometimes. Yeah. And you look yeah. at 
their revenues are often larger than GDPs of many countries. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you know, we all should be more mindful in our own lives about how we can be and live more sustainable, sustainably. But um, really, it will take um, corporations really thinking differently and um, around their operations and, and how they go to market with products. Yeah, because they do have a lot of power, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. With all that money mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're making. So. And, a, and a lot of responsibility and a lot of opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think if, if they look at it through an opportunity lens, it becomes a much more fun and a more thorough conversation internally. Mm-hmm. And at New Metrics, I've heard different reports and stuff and people talking that, you know, you, you go sustainable and then you end up making more money because in one way you reduce your waste. Mm-hmm. And so you're not like wasting money when you're just throwing materials out that you could maybe use for something mm-hmm. else. And then the other part of that is sort of, I guess, more in the reporting part where people see that you're doing it um, mm-hmm. so that they can use that PR part yep. of like, hey, look what we did. And and I think that that really helps get customers or keep them. Yeah, there's, there's certainly an, the more intangible reputation and, and brand conversation that happens with this. You know, you certainly, there are companies who are seen as more sustainable or less sustainable. Um, yeah. And there's some that are more um, high visibility or lower visibility. Mm-hmm. And that's just the nature. But it's also, they want to attract the best talent and the best talent are asking these questions. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's an opportunity to lead and I think companies are seeing that they want to be part of the conversation and they want to be part of the solution, which Mm -hmm. is, I think, very exciting and Mm -hmm. a change. Do you happen to have any example that you could share? Like, I don't, I don't want you to give away anyone's trade secrets or anything, but is there any like good example you can kind of think of off the top of your head of like a company that's done some good reporting or they've done some reporting and found something bad and then like aim to fix it? Well, Yes. And so I'll give you an example with a caveat that GRI as a policy, we do not comment on reporting. That's companies. what I wondered. Yeah. Um, be, as a standard setting body, it, it would be inappropriate for us to pass judgment on the reports. That's really up to the stakeholders. Yeah. However, we have seen that being said, we have seen that there are companies who have come to reporting because of, say, a shareholder proxy. So shareholders have asked them to start reporting. And then now that they've done it, they start to realize, and it's a usual course of business because they're seeing it as a way to manage efficiencies. Mm-hmm. They're seeing it as a way to have um, new relationships with their suppliers. And we're seeing many companies that are now asking all of their, say, tier one suppliers or suppliers that where they spend a certain amount of money to report using GRI because then they can get all of that information in to their company from their suppliers in a in a consistent way. What does tier one mean? Oh, um, tier one would be companies' major suppliers. Okay. So companies often have five, six down, you know, so this company hires this company, hires this company. Oh. So their tier one would be um, their their closest and, and most uh, and largest suppliers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very cool. Okay, so one more question. Okay. It's about you still. So okay. are there things that you do in your life to be sustainable? Is the environment important to you? I would say first and foremost, I have two teenage daughters. Oh, cool. And they would not let me not be sustainable. Oh, I think I'm very encouraged by young people today and their commitment to enter a world that is ready for them and that is prepared for them from an environmental standpoint. 
as well as an economic standpoint. And so, um, you know, they're the ones who are making sure that I remember my, you know, reusable water bottle oh, and good. things of that nature. And, you know, so I live luckily in an urban area where there's public transportation available. And so I try and be more mindful of, you know, when I do travel to take public transport whenever I can mm-hmm. um, and to walk when I can. And then I, I think from a consumer standpoint, it's a thoughtfulness. I would love to say that I only shop at farmer's markets and I only do this and I only do that. But the reality is that we all live in an environment and a world that that's not always readily available. Yeah. But I do try and pause and think, do I need this product? Yeah. Do I, is this the only way I can get it? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, shopping local and things of that nature are becoming more of my normal, where I would say probably five or six years ago, that was not the case. So, cool. you know, there's always more work to do though. It starts with thinking about it and identifying it and wondering, mm-hmm. like I always use the example of if I have a bad day and I go into the gas station and I just really want a bag of salt and vinegar chips. Mm-hmm. And at one point, because I had such a bad day, I picked up the bag of chips and it was in my hand and I was like thinking about it, you know, and I, I don't want to produce any garbage at all. That's like kind of right. a goal. So I put it back and I was proud of I myself. Know. But it was, it's that thought process of like, do I really need this? It's not good for my body. It's not good for the planet. So it is, it's a mindfulness. And it's also, I've changed, um, you know, I've, I actually changed who helps me with my 401k and so my financial planner because I felt like the person I was with before wasn't really listening to my needs of being more mindful from an um, oh, environmental wow. and social yeah. standpoint. So I moved to a different asset management company. Cool. And that has been um, really great because they've taught me a lot about what lenses to look through and what to be, you know, very careful um, mm-hmm. because these are complex issues and, and there's not always an easy answer. That would be a cool episode, I think, to do like which companies to invest in and how to look for that. And Definitely. Yeah. And I think that'll become a bigger, bigger thing, right? Yes. There are certainly niche um, companies who've been doing it for many years that are yeah. smaller, but I'm very encouraged by more mainstream, large investors, um, you know, adding this as a um, part of their decision making. I think that's, that's how change is going to be made. Because mm-hmm. like, imagine your daughter's growing up, like, that's where they're going to want to invest their money into sustainability. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So I think that's actually probably maybe a good field to get into as well. It is for sure. We're seeing a advising. huge growth. Um, and the questions that are coming in from us, from asset managers, 